I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with another filmmaker, a documentarian, a Canadian uh, journalist, I suppose you could say, and, and filmmaker, Matt Embry, who has put together a very uh, unsettling piece in, in, in sort of the same sort of vein as, as Michael Moore has done with some of his films uh, over the years from, from an uh, investigative, I guess you could say, an investigative perspective. And this is a film about, it's about science. It's about family, it's about uh, pushing back, it's about um, uh, coming to terms with things that happen in life that we just, we, we can't and we don't plan for. The film's called Living Proof. Matt is terrific. It's, uh, we, we talk about shades of gray and unknowns. We talk about alternative medicine and how he spent, has spent most of his life um, as an activist, really, looking for his own answer. We talk about something called patient-funded research. Very interesting film. You're, you're going to want to see it. It's, uh, there are insights here for, for, for everyone. And, and Matt is terrific on film. You get to meet his family. It's, uh, it's a real delight to watch things uh, unfold in what ultimately turns out to be a really uh, hopeful piece, uh, Living Proof, coming right up with Matt Embry. And don't forget, it's the world premiere as well. And don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my speaking and writing. Face-to-facelive.ca as well for uh, all of my interviews uh, laid out there. Uh, well, well over 310 or 15 now, and moving into the future with with um, yeah, rose-colored shade glasses. I don't even know what kind of a reference was that. Some sort of Corey Hart reference. And rabble.ca for uh, more information there too, uh, for podcasts and writing and blogs and keeping up to date with current events. Matt Embry coming right up, Living Proof. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here today. Matt Embry is here with us. He's a documentarian, he's a filmmaker, he's a storyteller, and he's somebody who has a very, uh, I think, unique and compelling and challenging story to tell. And he's doing that in his new film, Living Proof, which is going to premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. Matt, thanks for your time today. I uh, really appreciate it. 
great. And thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate that too. It's, it's kind of nice. You know, I call the podcast face to face and sometimes I actually sit face to face with people uh, more often than not it's a phone interview and today we can actually see each other it's uh, it's it's quite remarkable this technology when it works isn't it mm-hmm. great uh, Calgary you're in Calgary yeah, yeah we're, we're based in Calgary right now so living proof is there a little bit of a um, uh, a little bit of a backhanded sort of uh, jab there in the title of the film is that uh, sort of some sort of empirical uh, uh, stab at the scientific community? Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with this film? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, we, we titled the Living Proof for a number of reasons. I mean, obviously, the film follows my journey, having been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and that I'm living proof of the scientific-based strategies that I've implemented into my life to, to keep my MS in control. Now, that's just my story. And when you, when you see the film, we have multiple characters, uh, numerous patients with MS, and they are also living proof of what they've done and the strategies that they've used to control their multiple sclerosis. And that's, a, you know, that's, that's how the title comes. And, and we, again, we try to explore beyond my story and to talk to other patients around the world. What what are the thing? I think part of the reason for asking the question to me, Matt, is I mean, it, your your film is investigative. It's a, it's an expose. It's a, it's deeply troubling. Oh, and by the way, congratulations! It's okay. a, it's it's a remarkable film. Uh, the story is uh, it's troubling, uh, yeah. it's engaging, but ultimately uh, pre- pretty hopeful. So so thanks for that. Yeah. Um, there's you know you you're you're relying on evidence. As you say, you're, you're living proof, and yet it's a community that is rooted supposedly in the scientific tradition that says, maybe this isn't the way. Right. Yeah, and I think that, that you know, science is, it plays a, a big role in this, in this film. I mean, we're going out there, we're looking for the hard science you know, behind various treatments, whether it be a pharmacological approach, whether it be a vascular approach, whether it be a stem cell approach, uh, we're looking for hard data. Um, I don't. One of the things I do not want to be labeled as as alternative medicine. I mean, I think that that can be a very divisive term, very polarizing. Where it's you know, and, and that's not it. I mean, if there and I say it openly, and I've said it publicly before, if there was a drug that I felt there was significant data to prove would have a long-term effect on the progression of my disease, I would take it. Like, I'm, I'm not anti-pharma. Um, I just haven't seen that yet. And I think that what we try to do in this is say, okay, look, I mean, there are some science behind what we would want to call alternatives, say whether that be food or exercise or other things, vitamin D in particular. I'm not a research scientist. I'm not a doctor. I can't speak with that type of authority. But we try to bring those voices to the table. You have a really beautiful way of, of ending the film and, 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 and you have a really lovely way, an intimate way of, of working your family into this, uh, this story and this film. And I, I really, it really resonated for me. Um, your father's played a significant role in, in how you find yourself where, where you're at today. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Was it, was it just his tenacity? Was it his, his desire to know? Was it his concern for his son, all of the above? Right. I mean, my father and I have had a very strong relationship since I was very young. I mean, we were really, you know, he's been my father, but in a lot of ways, he's been my best friend. And that went through as a young child and through my adolescence. And when I was diagnosed, 
you know, in 1995, a long time ago, there wasn't a lot of solutions. I mean, we got to keep in mind, this was a time where, you know, the pharmacological approach was relatively new, it was experimental. Um, and so when he, you know, when that, when that was presented with them, he had to go try to find his own answers. I mean, and he's, you know, a re renowned scientific researcher in his own right. And I think he took that same scientific approach towards trying to find hope and solutions. I mean, my mother as well, you know, was incredibly supportive of at that time. And she was a nurse before she retired. So both my parents had a very good picture of how multiple sclerosis could play out. Uh, for me, I mean, the only thing I thought of was, say, Richard Pryor or Annette Finicello at the time, but they actually had real-world um, experience with how devastating this disease can be. And, you know, my dad, you know, he's an athlete as well, so he took that same, you know, that scientific, that rigor, and just, you know, went to the medical library, and this was before, you know, the internet was a big thing, and so he actually did the photocop. <laughs> yeah, he was doing the photocopying, he was coming home, and even now his office, his office just stacks of research journals and papers and, you know, then he, my mom in particular, you know, wanted to bring this to the world through the charity they created and, and trying to get the word out. And then when I, you know, made the decision to, to really step out publicly, um, we worked together in a lot of ways to, to how, we were, how we were going to do that. And it, it, this has been a great experience because now I get to actually work with my dad on set, which is something that is pretty new. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I bet it has, it's, I bet it's both an asset and a liability from time right. to time. <laughs> Well, you know, so you, I think it's a big leap to go from, you know, the medical journal, scientific, academic approach to a set, right? Those are, those are worlds apart in a lot of ways. But we're still, right. you know, we're, we're still out there from a documentary point of view looking for answers. That's what we do as documentary filmmakers. Um, at the near the beginning of the film, you, you, uh, you travel, I think, to Oxford. You, you travel around. You get around in this film. Uh, I yeah. guess that's one of the beauties of being a documentarian with some budget. You get to travel. Um, yeah. But you, you meet with an academic, a, a, a MS researcher, um, who says that it's, uh, a, quote, hardly ever easy to get. You hardly ever can get a black and white answer. Yeah. Uh, George Ebers, I believe, says that. And you start the film with this montage, this crazy, fast-paced, cross-cut montage of, of images and needles and people and, 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 and medical shots and so on, sort of, to me, communicating the madness of, of I guess, the disease, of, 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 of actually trying to get somewhere black and white, as George said. Is it really, uh, is it really that challenging? I mean, most of us, I suppose, have you know, suffered through some kind of um, um, medical challenge of one kind or another, whether it's, you know, a family member or ourselves. But I, I'm kind of interested to know uh, a little bit more about that. I mean, your, your story is particularly troubling. And yeah. I guess the people that you follow in the film. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Dr. Ebers, I thought, did a great job describing how trying to find answers, it's mostly you find shades of gray, right? I think that's what he said, right? There's no black right. and white answers. And I think that there are a lot of unknowns when it comes to MS. Um, you know, you, when you're first diagnosed, you don't know the course that it's going to take. I mean, some patients, you know, have relapsing remitting and can live for many years without any issues. Some patients hit a progressive form and go downhill very quickly. The range of symptoms that, you know, multi, that, that patients can face can, you know, is up and down. It can be, you know, absolutely horrible to somewhat minor. Um, and when it comes to, say, finding the cause, that's still relatively unknown. And it's been, you know, over X number of hundred of years since the, the actual discovery of the disease. When it comes to a cure, there, there's no cure. So that, and this is where we get into a gray area, okay? So, and then this gray area is, okay, so what 
are your best strategies? So you go, okay, well, we don't necessarily know. So then you think, okay, what's safe? What's cost effective? And where is some scientific backing to some of the thinking, right? And so that's where we try to get into. We, we, we try to show that. We say, okay, well, what can you do now as an MS patient or if you have a loved one? I mean, like, what can you do now, right? And so that's where we really try to go and find those answers. And at the end of the day, we didn't, I didn't want to create a film that's like, that. This, this is a whole gray area. This is, MS is a mess and it's just awful, right? From the, well, all the issues that we bring up in the film because there are some disturbing issues. And we, I wanted to create a film that gave people hope to say, yeah, there are a lot of problems in this medical ecosystem. There's no question. There's issues on many layers. But what can you do? And then what can we do as an MS population to, to get that word out there and to get together and create a community and start sharing our stories? You know, it's really interesting to me. This is uh, there's there's a any any great documentary to me is layered. There's always more going on than meets the eye. You can go back for a second viewing, a third viewing, and you can find more than you found the first time around. You have those aha moments, and I think it's one of the reasons I love storytelling and, and film. But for me, and it just hit me as you were explaining uh, uh, where you were going with that, this is about taking your life into your own hands, in a sense. This is about choice. This is about responsibility. I mean, that's a profoundly existential and, and sort of philosophical statement. Right. And I think it's really important, and I'm, I'm really glad that you pulled that out of the film, because MS is the flashpoint. It's the disease that we talk about in this film. One of the goals in how I created this narratively and structurally and shooting it is I wanted to create a film where it's not. this is not just about MS. If you're diagnosed with any type of neurological condition, that there's so many unknowns. If it's cancer, I don't know, whatever it is, you have to make a decision to go out there and find answers. It's, it's not going to be just handed to you, right? And I think where the world has really changed, and I hope the film also shows that, is that when I was diagnosed, there, there, the internet was relatively new. Now you can go out there and you can mobilize and you can create these online communities and, and start learning and sharing information far, far quickly, far more quicker than you could. And you've got access to these resources. I think... Um I think it's Dr. Ebers uh, near the end of the film who says, you know, you, you've got to follow the money. And it almost sounds cliche in a way. Right. You know, we've, we've, all, we've all seen the, the, uh, the Law and Order episodes, uh, the, the, the spy thrillers and so on. And it's, it's you know, the classic cliche. It's, it's all about the money. Was that one of the more disturbing things for you uh, as you started to peel back some of these layers to see how... That to see that disconnect between the work that was actually getting done and the money that was actually being raised. Yeah, I mean, I think that when we when we did say follow the money, and I agree with you, that is somewhat of a cliche term. But when when we did follow the money, we really discovered that it was so much about the money, and we really questioned about how much of this is about the people and the patients, right? And that became, I agree with you, that was a disturbing realization to see how much money was on the table and. And to start wondering, and, and, you know, we don't want to make accusations, but start revealing, okay, you know, with this much money at play, like, why aren't there fewer wheelchairs, canes, or walkers? Like, why do these things continue? Why are our charities spending money the way they do? Why aren't these questions being, you know, brought to the forefront of our mainstream media? Um, and then when you look at how much money it is, it's, it's significant. We're, I mean, this is, this is billions of dollars a year. 
Are you looking? Would you say, uh, Matt, that you're you're hope you're hopeful uh, for a coming together? I'm going to use your word earlier. You don't want to be labeled as alternative, but are you looking for a bridge between that kind of uh, pharmacological approach and an alternative approach? Uh, one of one of the guys you interview near the end of the film again. Uh, says it's hard to find people. I think says something to the effect of it's hard to find people to trust or to tell the truth. Right. And 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 it's not either or, right? This is kind of a, a both and. I th yeah. I think. Right, and I think that, that that bridge that you speak of is exactly what we're looking for, right? I mean, in particular, if you look since since we started the film, like, since we started this journey, and since I started the MSO, like, I believe if you go to the MS Society of Canada's website. They've got links to diet. I mean, I, I believe that's relatively new. Like, I, don't, I can't say right. for sure, but that's great. You know, when you look to the National MS Society in the United States of America, they've, you know, given a million dollars to Dr. Terry Wallace to start investigating diet. Well, this is, this is great news. I mean, I think that, we, you know, we, we, we see that the hundreds of millions the MS Society of Canada has raised, and we estimated at the time when the film started that it was less than $100,000 they spent on diet research. That's well, a significant problem. So if we can start seeing these metrics start to change and that, you know, if, you know, organizations like MS Societies got on board and said, okay, you know, there's other people doing other things. What is this? We're now doing research. That would be the idea. I mean, that's where we can use these, you know, these organizations and structures to, to educate people. And that's really the genesis of this years ago where you said, look, we believe there's information out there that the MS Societies and neurologists aren't necessarily sharing. Well, how do you get that message out? Yeah, so so you're not the kind of guy who who if somebody said, oh, you got if you put a rock under your pillow, it's going to make you feel better. Right. I mean, you're 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 open to the pill, you're open to the needle, but but it's got to be a it's got to be a dialogue, it's got to be a conversation. It's yeah. is is that fair? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, and the thing is, it, it goes back to those you know, simple metrics, those you know, those checklists that we talked about earlier. You know, is it safe? Okay, is it inexpensive, and does it work? I mean, are there is there evidence that it's going to have a long term effect on my disease, right? And that's you know, and this is what we really question. And the thing is, I don't know, I can't speak for other diseases, but I, I think you know, what diseases are getting better? Where are these cures? So, and then that's what we we go back to. It's like, where are these outcomes, and and are these outcomes being met? And why aren't we demanding it? of the pharmacological industry and our societies to be talking about this. So, so, so again, this is about more going on than meets. Yeah. This is about accountability. This right. is about transparency. This right. is about, about telling the truth. Right. right. Or, 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 or telling a more comprehensive story. Right. Right. And it's about, you know, it's also about sharing information to say, okay, now, now you've learned this information that we've shared. Maybe you should go ask your neurologist or your doctor some more questions. If you feel that, that that's what you're looking for. Do you find do you find that since you know making the film, uh, the doctors you've visited, the conversations you've had, do you think the medical community is slowly becoming more open? Uh, are you are you encouraged, or is, are you not quite there yet, Matt? <laughs> uh, I can't I can't say I'm quite there yet. Right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's really hard to to it's really hard to assess that, right? I mean, we hear, we hear stories anecdotally that, yes, people have visited their neurologists and they've talked about diet and all these types of things, but then we hear anecdotally sure. that they don't. So it's kind of, it's really hard to say from, from my point of view. 
tell me tell me about how you were brought into this this uh, conversation about diet and lifestyle because I think this is a lesson for us all whether right. we have a neurological disease or not you right. know we need to be more intentional about the, the the way we take care of our bodies or the way we don't we need to be more uh, aware of the fact uh, that that maybe not everything we do is is the right way to go this this happened for you uh, this was a, a, an author uh, Judy Judy Graham, I believe. Yeah, Doctor. Is that? It, yeah. yeah. Can Can you talk about that? Because it's a really quite a touching touching piece. Uh, the way you you tease it out in the film. Yeah, I mean, she. I, I believe. Don't quote me on this, but I think her book was naturally healing multiple sclerosis or something like that, and that was written like quite a while, a long time ago. Um, and I believe what had happened is after my diagnosis, uh, one of the our high school one of my high school teachers reached out pretty quickly. And shared, I believe it was that book, uh, with my family. And I think that was the trigger point for my dad to start really chasing the diet, the diet um, avenue at that time. This is 22 years ago now, so this is a long time ago. I know diets are becoming far more fashionable now. But back then, if you talked about going dairy-free, gluten-free at a restaurant, it was like you were on a different planet. So... um, (laughs) And then you also got to keep in mind, I was pretty young. So, I, you know, my, right. dad, my dad was the researcher. I mean, here's a guy who was also my basketball coach in high school. So what he told me to do, I listened. So if he said, look, this is important, you really should consider your diet, I did it. And so I took it very seriously. And, and I also have had a pretty good sense of the outcomes. And, I, you know, 22 years later, I'm still on the diet religiously. And I feel fantastic. You know, and I think that what's interesting is like even on Netflix right now, there's a film, you know, What the Health, I think it's called. And this is about right. this is about veganism or right and I watched it on the plane, I was flying to Toronto. I thought this is great. I mean, here's another guy out there and he's asking these similar questions and he's visiting these different charities and organizations, he's confronting doctors, he's starting to ask the hard questions about about diet. Right. And then like he's questioning the four food groups, right? Which is something we don't get into in this film. But, you know, when we talk about eliminating dairy and wheat and these types of things, I mean, these become questions for, for people and patients, right? And the thing is, we, you know, and we are always open to more science, right? Like, let's just keep doing the research, right? And let's just see if, if the outcomes either support or do not support our conclusions, right? I mean, like I said, we're not going to say this is the magic bullet. We're going to say, here's what our hypothesis is, and here's what's occurred 22 years later. You decided when you're waiting. You, you decide if it works for you. Yeah, it's up to you. If you want to do yeah. it, then go for it. But it's relatively it's safe, and it's, it's inexpensive, and it's cheap. Yeah. When you're interviewing Judy, uh, it's quite, a, quite an intimate conversation. She, I think, had been di- diagnosed uh, an MS patient for about 40, 43 years. Is that right? It was 45 years at the time, yeah. A long, long time. Um, she says, you know... Uh, and I think you know she was including you in this. This, but we're, we're we're swimming against the tide. This is a hard diet. This is a challenge. This is a daily challenge. And I mean, it strikes me as a a, a very lonely kind of um, path to right. to have to take. So I guess my my question to you is is, you know, she talks about fear right. uh, as well, terror actually. Right. You know that that yeah. that keeps her in line, and you you kind of cut to a great shot of you of you out running. You know that again, that discipline, that rigor, that that almost that scientific approach to your 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 health. 
what do you do with your discouragement? Is it is it your family? You lean on your family? How do you get recharged? How do, what what kind of is there a community? Do you, you know? Do you, is there a guy or a woman you call to commiserate with? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, it's going to affect me personally too, right? And I think that it's I think it's naive for patients to think that it's 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 ever you're not going to think about it. I mean, it's one of those situations where, you know, 20, you wake up and you've slept on your arm. You're fearful that you've now lost your arm, right? You get a little tingle or something that the average human being does. You, your brain will jump to the, that horrible conclusion that, you know, it's back again, right? And I think where, you know, an interesting point you're making, and I think that one that we tried to, I wish I would have maybe explored more in the film, is that this new online community is very inspirational, Right. So it's like you, if I even look at my Facebook, like even like today, right, we've had, you know, over a hundred thousand views to the trailer. We've got hundreds of comments. Amazing. There's not one negative comment. Like we can't find one. And like we scour for this stuff, right? Because I'm really interested. Like, you know, I'd be open to the person who posts on it, you know, Matt, just so you know, I did this diet and program religiously and it didn't work. Like I want to know. And I'll, Call me. Like we'll talk about it. And say, okay, well, what happened? Like, what were you on it? Because one thing, and then there's a there's a scene in the film where we we go after this issue where compliance is a huge problem. Where even we have a character there who talks about. I don't want to like spoil it, but you know, he talks about how he's on the program. This, 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 and then all of a sudden, he's unknowingly consuming dairy protein right. every day. It's it's a it's a great moment in the film, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my faves. Yeah, I mean, he's and he's trying his best, like, and he thinks he's on it, and you know, he's a smart guy, but it's like, wow, that you know, the way it was labeled, it just snuck in, and he, you know, he think, whoa, like, you know, that's scary, and then you have no idea, you know, how many patients I meet who tell me, you know, I'm on the diet or something, and then I I start to dig and go, okay, wait, wait a minute, like, well, you can't eat that, and like, maybe you should go check the PDFs again or read what we're trying to put up on the website, and that type of thing, right? But again, it's that compliance is. Compliance is a, is a major problem, I think, with diet. And I think that that's not only for MS. I mean, you look at a heart and stroke disease, you, you know, we know that diet could affect that. And it's like, how do you get people to, to, to change their lifestyle, right? Smoking, like, I mean, it's just getting people. Yeah, to you, need, you need somebody. It seems to me you need somebody, to, uh, some, somebody who, who hopefully loves you, who's going to hold you accountable, whether that's your partner, your, your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad. You know, yeah, you know uh, or hopefully, maybe, maybe one day it'll be your doctor. Back. Right, it's true, right? And another thing too, we had no, I should have put it. I would, we didn't put it in the film as well, but in the early stages, there, Dr. Roy Swank. I don't know if you know, we don't talk too much about it, but he did the early diet research, like way back, right? And he had a yeah, graph. You refer to it in the film. Yeah, he had a graph that showed people who changed their diet versus people who didn't. And the graph showed that if you changed your diet, you more or less, I think, went down one neurograde over thirty years. And if you didn't, you went down between five and six. We had that graph on the fridge. It was literally on the fridge at home. And I think it's still in my parents' basement up. But it was that kind of daily, okay, here's, here's how important this can be. Yeah, just that daily reminder. Right. Um, one of the uh, doctors, one of the surgeons, the researchers that you, you interview talked about a... I don't know. Again, help me out here. Is it an alternative therapy stem cell 
Uh, my father had, I had mentioned to you before the tape started rolling, my dad had Parkinson's for years. He was very hopeful from a stem cell perspective. And I mean, I, I, I interviewed Dr. Anthony Lang not that long ago from Toronto General Hospital, a neurologist about, you know, the steps forward. And, and I mean, he had to admit to me after oh, some 35 years, they don't know that much more. I mean, they know a ton. Uh, discovery and revelations all the time and what a fascinating world to work in but the brain to say that it's a complicated place is is an understatement but this guy said that he was extremely optimistic about this new treatment stem cell treatment, but just couldn't get the funding for it right is 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 that changing i mean can we at least be alongside of him extremely optimistic not only about the treatment but maybe where we're heading well, I mean, I think this is, you know, this is where the activism piece has to come in right now, because I, I don't think it is changing. I mean, I'm sure if you called him today, I mean, he, but that doctor in particular talks about patient-funded research, and that's what's occurring, right? And I think he was, he was very articulate in describing where, you know, the, the, the yeah. specific type of stem cell therapy he was offering, he wasn't working with genetically modified or, you know, created stem cells. He was dealing with the patient's stem, like the patient's own stem cells. Therefore, he couldn't create a product. Therefore, there's no money to be made. So the commercial interest wasn't there. So the the problem is, I think your ticket is, is how do you raise money for these these these, these projects? Right? It's it's a big problem. Yeah, and and now we're back to sort of chasing the money in a sense. Right. right. Um, I want to talk about the festival, and and you're coming here in a, in a, well in a couple of days, really in truth. Um, but tell me tell me a little bit more about mshope.com. Yes. Or would you let Would you rather people find out about that in the film? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, I love them to find because it's like I said, there's two different hats you wear now, right? In a way, and it's kind of complicated. It's a little bit complicated for me to walk. So I'm either I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, but I'm also an advocate, right? So the where, sure, sure. You know, mshope.com was a website that I created. You know, and tr- trying my absolute best to share the strategies that I've used uh, for years to keep my MS under control and try to make it as user friendly as possible. And to and I'm dedicated to, to it's going to be a free, open resource, right? Until uh, until I pass away and leave this earth, that's that's the goal. And I think that was one of the other big goals of it. You know, from the beginning of all of this was how can we create content and projects that are going to live on past me. Right, because I think back to when I was 19. If there would have been an, a website like mshope.com where I could watch the movie like Living Proof and, and seeing you know someone who did really well, that would have been huge for me and really inspiring. Right, but those those faces didn't exist, but now they do. And so you know that's that that's so much of my goal is to, to think to think about that 19 year old you know boy or girl who get diagnosed and they hit the website and they're looking and all of a sudden they can see something that you know this isn't all. And Terry Wallace is the best. Where you know the the diagnosis that this is all downhill is just not correct. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's power in numbers. There's commun- there's community out there to be found. Right. Right. Um, world world premiere. That's right. Yeah. So we have so, this the, the film outside of say cast and uh, cast and crew. Yeah. Some, and some people we tested it on. Obviously, uh, this this film has not been screened yet. So this will be the world premiere. Will be for the public uh, September twelfth. Uh, wow! T- yeah, nice. And uh, and 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 are you a little nervous? Um, you know, yeah. To be honest, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little bit nervous, right? I mean, uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of friendly faces in the audience. Oh, I, I bet. 
yeah, but it's you know when you when you start when you when you stand up and you know share your story, it's not easy, right? For for multiple reasons. Well, Matt, and it's just so personal and so intimate and so beautifully done. And and thank you for. I mean, it really is a gift. I mean, I I kind of I kind of watch every film as as a gift from the filmmaker. You know, as crazy and maybe as corny and as idealistic as that might sound. But but your your film really is. Uh, it's an important work. It's 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 eye opening. It's as I said, it's compelling and challenging. It's disturbing, but ultimately. Uh, 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 wonderfully hopeful as well. So thank, thanks for that, and th- thanks for your time today. We've been talking to Matt Embry and uh, about his new film, Living Proof, premiering at the uh, world premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival coming up. Matt, thanks so much for your time. I hope we can uh, maybe do a part two uh, down the road. That would be excellent, and thank you so much for actually taking the time to watch it with a critical, thoughtful eye. I really appreciate that. And oh, you're welcome. Message. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.